As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, guys? Back again for the for the first time, second time, whatever it is. Um, you know, I I, um, I didn't keep up with the with the playoff shows, and I apologize uh, about that. Uh, I will be doing a Super Bowl preview and 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 review uh, to kind of wrap up the uh, NFL season. Uh, basically, turns out, uh, and I think I actually talk about this during my interview with uh, Lauren. But uh, turns out I I brought a stomach infection home with me from the uh, from the from the hospital, and uh, that's what uh, was really kind of uh, taking its toll uh, on me for a while. There, I thought maybe it was just um, you know readjusting to eating w- real world food uh, again, or the the fact that um, you know I'm 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 diabetic now, so I take insulin uh, and everything uh, for my for my diabetes, and I, I thought that uh, maybe it was. My body was adjusting uh, to the diabetes. I bring it up to a doctor. She has me tested and turns out that I had a stomach infection. So um, uh, I'm actually, I've, I think I've already cleared uh, the infection. I'm on day eight of a 10-day uh, antibiotic regimen. I feel fantastic. And uh, I'm back at it uh, again. So, you know, I apologize again for not keeping up on those, uh, on those shows. But uh, I'm full steam ahead uh, from here on. I think I'm... Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm done being sick for a while, knock on wood. But um, I want to thank you guys for your patience, for your support, uh, and your understanding. I see your comments online uh, and everything when I make these little announcements to let you know what's going on uh, with me, and, and I appreciate uh, how you guys are, are being patient uh, with me. So thank you again. So here we are, the, the annual uh, year in review episode. Myself and Lauren Cox, our good friend from... Uh, locked on bears we talked uh on sunday night just after the uh championship games were uh wrapped up and um you know talking about what what a crazy season it was what a crazy year it was for us as a fan base because we were essentially able to have our cake and eat it too with the with the bears you know in in a rebuilding year basically just tanking tanking and and losing these games sometimes in spectacular fashion meanwhile uh our quarterback is uh you know establishing himself as our quarterback uh, you know as the as the phrase goes these uh, days uh Justin Fields is him you know and uh the, he kind of established himself as that or at least worthy uh, of someone who deserves to be built around this off season, and now that we're into uh, this off season, not officially because we still got the Super Bowl left to go uh, and everything, but with the uh, you know free agency and everything ahead, what moves will Ryan Poles make to to ensure that 2023 is far more successful than 2022 was, or at the very least for the fan base to make what we sat through in 2022 worth it 
in 2023. Because if we come out and we're 14 and three as opposed to three and 14, then everything that we had to eat this year is worth it. It's worth it. We we took our lumps uh, all in one season, and and here we are off to the races uh, this year uh, and everything. So. Lauren and I talk about that. We talk about uh, free agency and, and the draft and uh, and everything else in between. It was great to be able to sit down and talk to him uh, again and uh, a lot of fun, as usual, talking uh, talking Bears with our good friend. So we go ahead and step aside and bring in our guest, Lauren Cox, from Locked on Bears. This is the 2022 Year in Review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Well, the season has, uh, for many reasons, the team itself, uh, the product on the field, my personal life, and all that kind of stuff has been one hell of a roller coaster from start uh, to finish. But one thing that will always remain is that when it's all said and done, Larry D and Lauren Cox are going to get together, review the whole thing, and talk about it for a very long time. So here we are to do that. Once again, want to welcome my good friend from Locked On Bears, Lauren Cox, back to the show. Lauren, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks for having me back, and, and sort of welcome back to you. <laughs> yeah, sense too. Good to have you back. It's uh, thank you, man. This is only my my second show uh, back because uh, I, you know, I, I got home from the hospital uh, first week in, in January. Uh, I did the preview for the wild card matchups. And uh, then fell victim to, as as you know, because we've been talking, uh, another stomach infection um, where I had to, I mean, I didn't have to go back to the hospital or anything like that, but I just wasn't able to, you know, do the show and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But I I got some antibiotics for it. It's, it's clearing up as we speak. And here I am, strong like bull, once again, ready to, uh, to, to get back at it. So, um, um just on show news, obviously we have this one, and there will be a preview and a review for the Super Bowl, just to kind of put a a bow on the on the season. So there we go. But um, yeah, it was uh, it's been an interesting seven eight weeks uh, since this whole thing started. You know, Thanksgiving weekend all up to all up to here. It's it's been quite the uh, quite the whirlwind. But uh, so was this season. Man, we, we didn't know, really know what to expect going into it because we had this new general manager that literally gutted the team. Um, we, we didn't know who we had. We didn't have any money to go out and get anybody that could come in and really impact the team uh, right away. We had this brand-new uh, head coach who'd never, who'd never coached before. We had a first-time play caller. Uh, we had a brand new defensive coordinator bringing in the four three versus the three four that we've been using for the last for the better part of the last decade uh, or so, and it seemed like Ryan Poles was signing scraps off the heap uh, to fill rosters spots. So, you know, when when experts and everything were talking about the Bears are going to be the worst team in the NFL, three and fourteen, they're going to have a top five pick. On one hand, it you know it was obviously we knew it was possible. But I didn't also think it was possible at the same time because it's just like, how can you know with this team and everything? You just never know how these things happen. Turns out these guys are goddamn geniuses because we have the number one pick and we did finish, in fact, 3-14. and 14. Yeah, it's it's funny how that works, right? I mean, even 
the best expectations in, in the NFL season. It just there's so many of these games too that the Bears were right in there at the end of a lot of these games, and even some of the wins too that were close down to the very wire there that a, a play or two goes a different direction in either way. And yeah. this is a team that like we'll get into it could could have won six or seven games, or maybe could have even lost a couple more of those and and ultimately fallen even even lower than the bottom they already were. Right. So, you know, like we, we met up earlier in the season, we talked about the, the first six games, the, the excitement behind that win over San Francisco, which was a win that looked better the further we got along uh, in the year that we were able to beat that team uh, after, you know, today, like today was championship Sunday and they, they, got, they got housed by the, by the Eagles. But right up until this point, man, they looked pretty good uh, to go to the, Super Bowl, despite the fact they had this revolving door at quarterback, they had Mr. Irrelevant, the seventh-round rookie, win, what, seven games, eight games, whatever. They got him all the way to the NFC Championship game, and we were able to, to eke out a, a good-looking win week one uh, against them. We all know the disappointment that, that came a week later in, in Green Bay on Sunday Night Football because that's legally mandated by the NFL. And... <laughs> You had the yeah, but victory over the Texans, who until the very last week of the season was the worst team in the NFL and held on to the number one pick with a steel grip. Then you have the, the loss to the Giants, which is what? Like, can we call that the Valus Jones game where he choked away the, the punt there at the end uh, of the game? You have the, uh, the, the Smith-Marset uh, game at the for the Vikings with that that nonsense hanging on to the ball and instead of getting out of bounds and whatnot and then the nightmare that was the the Thursday night or just an embarrassing performance on on Thursday night against the Commanders and that's where we left off you know what thir- you know four months ago three months ago whatever it uh, whatever it was but I mean it was it's it was quite the first six weeks we won. Two games, we probably should have won at least one or two more, and this team was still trying to figure itself out. But we left off before the real changes started to get made. Well, it's interesting, you know, how if you think back to like how we felt about the team at that time. Like, yes, there were there were gripes, but it kind of felt like there were gripes because they were close yeah. in all those games, right? I mean, they again one or two plays from maybe beating the giants one or two plays from maybe beating the vikings or at least tying both of those teams they mm-hmm. they were down one possession late in those games and had a chance to at least even that scoreboard had players been able to hold on to the football once it is placed in their arms and then you know the commanders game too was just it was frustrating but it's frustrating because you're close and so when you go into week 8 or week 7 and beat the patriots on monday night football it felt like that was maybe going to be the breakthrough like not that they yeah. wouldn't you know, not that they wouldn't like run. Like we knew the Cowboys the next week were going to be really hard, and they probably weren't going to win that game. But just that the idea that like, okay, they were so close to getting over the hump against three decent teams. I mean, two of them ended up being pretty good playoff teams. The Commanders were bad at the time, um, but like they, they were close enough. They were on the on, on the brink there. They're still trying to figure out this team. And the idea was like, okay, second half of the season here, the offense will get a little bit more settled around Justin Fields. The guys will get a little bit more comfortable. You know, trade deadline and. Claypool ends up coming in, you know, right? Like it's like, okay, now this team can maybe start finishing some of these games, and instead, we kind of just got more of the same. And then the level of opponent got a lot harder down the stretch too. Yeah. So speaking of that New England game, I mean, I didn't see that one coming, at least not to the degree that we got. I mean, it just, especially after four years of Nagy and how unprepared and incompetent 
we would look coming out of the gates after a bye, mini or otherwise. It just looked like Nagy and the team got together for the first time the day before the game to get ready for the game with how unprepared and, and everything they would look. And instead, Iberflus and company, uh, you know, looking pretty damn good against the the Patriots. It seemed like we finally found our offense, which was, yeah, we don't have much of a receiving core right now, and defenses are looking to defend Herbert and Montgomery. So why not use some of these designed runs and things like that with with Justin Fields and that work like gangbusters, especially coming off uh, that commander's uh, game, the Patriots, the Cowboys, and and like three or four games that followed that, it was the Justin Fields show. I mean, he was national news throughout the middle of that season, right? Uh, you know, like that. Yeah, and that's right where it became intentional. Like, like it seemed like yeah. against Washington, they, like against Washington the week before, they just were so stagnant on offense that like Fields had to kind of just carry and make some big plays on his own. But it feels like New England was the first time where it was like, okay, like let's actually lean into that and be very intentional about making that a focal point of the offense. And I remember he fumbled like a, a few different times in that game. And we were kind of wondering like, maybe are they going to, are they doing too much with him? And are they putting too much on his shoulders there? But obviously we saw as the season went on that he could certainly handle more and had even more explosive and big performances and got into that. But it was really like, it was really that intentional process that I think the Patriots were unfortunate to be like one of the early teams on the receiving end of that because they didn't have they didn't have much to prepare for in right. that regard and it was just kind of a, a little bit of a new offense taking form and, and thriving in that way and we, I remember we were worried about Bailey Zappi remember when he was going to be the, yeah. the hot new thing in the NFL and every team was going to trade for Mac Jones because Bailey Zappi's the guy and yeah it's, it's funny how things change from week seven to week 18 there but still felt like a turning point in a new offense and them being able to click and beat a team that I don't think we were really fully expecting them to beat right. in the game like that. Even not, not the Patriots were that good, but just the Bears, the Bears couldn't beat the Commanders the week before. So right. how the heck are they going to beat New England? Yeah, and not only did we beat them, we, we basically annihilated them. They went up like yeah. 14 to 10, and then it was all Bears after that. I mean, we just ran them down uh, from that point, like in from like mid-second quarter for the rest of the football game. It was Justin Fields and the last really great performance we got out of the defense um, because that was the last time the defense was whole as far as Robert Quinn and uh, Roquan Smith still being on the team. That was the last game that they were together because a week later when we played Dallas, Robert Quinn had already been traded to uh, Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, it definitely showed, if, if not so much by the performance, but there was definitely a different vibe from that defense, like it was missing one of its leaders. Yeah, and it's it's funny how sometimes it can all come together in a game like that and really click and then you take like one piece out of it here, one piece out of it there and it just it just totally breaks down. It's hard to measure the chemistry of a defense like that. And of course, you know, you lose a very good pass rusher, it's going to hurt no matter what, but it just really felt like it was a combination of, of that and then the timing of the quality of offenses that they were about to face in the coming weeks with, with Dallas and Miami, especially Right, uh, it was going to be a tall task even with Robert Quinn, but you take that out and then eventually take Roquan Smith out. And uh, you can, you can see in hindsight, especially like how easy it was for the defense to really fall apart. Yeah. And then starting with the Cowboys game, we entered this really strange period um, that kind of sustained itself throughout the season because of Justin Fields. But it, be, it became like we, we, even though we lost almost all of the game, well, actually, we lost every single game after the New England uh, win, but there was a silver lining to everything somehow. Like, we, we as a fan base have had the weirdest season ever because our team hasn't won 
since hadn't won since October 24th, and yet our quarterback was thriving, our team kept losing, and we go into the offseason, number one overall pick, most cap space uh, in the league. You know, it's just like somehow this is how we like we the reason that we all had a problem, you and I especially, with the three and fourteen prediction was that there's no way we finished three and fourteen and Justin Fields had a great year. There's no way that's possible. At three and fourteen, if we're in the top five, we're probably looking at a quarterback, you know, and starting over with that again because of the whole no allegiance to this guy didn't draft thing in the NFL. And yet, the complete opposite happened. If we could jettison the whole team and keep Justin Fields, I think the fan base would be fine uh, with that because Justin Fields is probably that one guy that you don't want to see go right now. Yeah, I feel like we, I don't know if we overestimated the guys around him or just maybe we were too, I don't know, optimistic. Like, this was a roster that came in and it was a bunch of new unproven guys, but you kind of felt like, Okay, like one or two of these wide receivers should probably be better than we think, whether it's Nikhil Harry or Equinemius St. Brown or Dante Pettis or Byron Pringle. Like among the four of them, in theory, at least one should be like should take a step forward and right. exceed expectations. And of course, none of them did. Or you look at some of the younger guys on the offensive line, you know, Alex Leatherwood or Larry Borum or one of these guys should really take another or Sam Mustafer should take another step forward and they didn't exactly do that. And certainly no. defensively, kind of across the board, a lot of guys either weren't as good as we thought or they didn't have one guy in the competition like really rise up and take those steps forward. And just like universally across the board, it was kind of a lot of disappointments in players that have promise and maybe still do have promise, but they just need, you know, if you have a team full of guys that all need to step up, like you need some of those like concrete solid pillars there that they can lean on like they were with Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. And you take away some of those pillars. Now there's, there's not anything for them to lean on when those young guys aren't able to do it. Correct. And you know, so, so what I was referring to was we lost 49 to 29 to the Cowboys, but we as an offense, we, we as a fan base were thrilled because for an offense that struggled to score seven points against the commanders for us to score 29 against Micah Parsons and the Cowboys, that was a pretty big deal, not to mention we rushed for like 200-plus yards in that game. Cole Komet scored his first touchdown uh, of the season. We, we, kept, we kept finding these, you know, like these gems in this, in this muck that was a 20-point loss on the road to the Cowboys, not to mention those goddamn all-orange uniforms we were wearing, uh, just making that game that much harder to watch. That's why they lost. Oh, yeah. God, it's man, crazy. so bad, so bad. Um, but then, you know, you fast forward a week later, uh, against the dolphins and, you know, not surprised at all that they scored 35 against the bears. Cause they beat the brakes off of us as far as, you know, by that time, Roquan was Roquan was gone, uh, at that point. Um, so we had this huge hole in the middle of our, uh, defense, even though, uh, Sanborn filled it admirably throughout the year, a very, very happy. I mean, he was he was my favorite guy in the, in the preseason, and usually those preseason warriors don't do much better than special teams, but he got a chance to, to play, and he stepped up quite well, in my opinion. But again, we scored 32. Justin Fields ran for like 160 yards. He had that big 60-yard touchdown run uh, in the third quarter, so never mind the three-point loss where we gave up 35 points. Never mind the you know that pass interference call that didn't get called. Here's what went right for us. 
check this out. And, and, you know, it happened again a week later against the Lions. And, you know, if, if not for a missed extra point, that one goes to overtime. And, you know, we're, we're finding these different reasons to be able to swallow these, uh, these losses. It happens again the week after uh, with the Falcons. These are three games we should have won. We should have beat the Dolphins, should have beat the Lions, should have beat the, the, the Falcons. Uh, and and instead we lost all three, all three in quite spectacular fashion. Uh, on top of it, uh, before the the wheels kind of came off there uh, towards the end of the uh, the season, starting with that Jets game. Yeah, to me that stretch, like Patriots through maybe even through Falcons, I guess even how, however one you want to make the span, like that was the proof of concept offensively. Yeah, fields like yeah, yeah. This is where you see yes, it does work. They're scoring. Essentially, you know, pretty much 30 points a game, give or take. Uh, and that, with any sort of average NFL defense, should be enough to win. Like, that's that's the offense doing its job to a, at least a satisfactory level, if not a, a beyond satisfactory level. If you can score, you know, 33, 29, 32, 30, and then even 24 against Atlanta, should be, in most cases, enough points to win a game. And that that's that, that was the stretch against, like, Good opponents for a stretch of that. I mean, the Patriots just missed the playoffs at eight and nine. The Cowboys playoff team, Dolphins playoff team, Lions just missed the playoffs at eight and nine. Like I, I think it, it feels so much different than like twenty was it twenty twenty that late stretch when Mitch Trubisky had like three or four games at the end of the season where he played really really well against like the Texans and the Vikings and the Jaguars and the offense was scoring yeah. a bunch of points. Yeah, and that, we had that was that thought of like, yeah, like oh, did Bill Lazor figure out this offense and with Mitch and like, is there, like there was that question of like, Oh, maybe Mitch is actually better than, than we thought he was, but it was against four really, really bad teams and bad defenses that kind of artificially inflated how good that was. Right. Whereas the fields stretch here was against really good, not always really good defenses, but definitely playoff caliber opponents in that stretch. And to me, it's, it's a lot of the examples you can point to as to why things were working offensively and why the team will continue to build around fields and not draft Bryce Young with the number one pick. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, it, it's been such a weird year uh, as a fan base because under regular circumstances, three and 14, losing the last 10 games uh, of the season, some by in, 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 you know, nail biting fashion, others in embarrassing uh, fashion, you would be furious by the end of the, or completely checked out by the end of the season. And instead, because of what this offense was able to do, the way that they were able to, and Eberflus and company keeping these guys in games and keeping them motivated to keep playing despite their uh, situation, that's what made this team worth watching uh, each week, if, if only for the first few minutes of the game, and then, oh, they would all went downhill after that kind of thing. Yeah, it's the kind of thing, like, in other situations with other teams – I think we would be having the conversation or would have had the conversation about whether Matt Eberflus would be one and done right. three and 14, right? I mean, if, if it, if it wasn't the context of how they've approached team building and having Justin Fields under, under the fold and you know, the, how they were going about it. But like, otherwise I, I really think that's a conversation that we would have been having. of like, shoot, like this, this defensive minded head coach comes in here and the defense is terrible. Like, yeah. did they hire the wrong guy? Should they have, not that they were going to make Luke Getzey the head coach, but like, should they have made Luke Getzey the head coach? Like that kind of, those kind of conversations would be, I think normally how you would respond to a three and 14 season with 10 straight losses at the end. But instead I, I've been sort of pleasantly surprised and impressed that like the fan base and the Chicago media is like 
smart enough and understands it enough to not just be asking the dumb questions and really have a, a better sense of why they're doing what they're doing and how they're going about it. Well, I think the, the very first step uh, towards everybody kind of um, maybe succumbing to the idea that this year was about next year was the trade of Robert Quinn. Because it was rumored all throughout training camp, polls didn't, you know, it never happened. Robert Quinn said he wanted to stay. Then he pulls the trigger on it. Uh, after our most impressive win of the season, national TV, a, a near 20-point victory over Belichick and the Patriots in Foxborough after, you know, one of the worst performances we've put together under any head coach uh, in that Thursday night game against Washington uh, and everything. And it's like, oh, okay. So never mind the fact that, that we won and it looked like we were kind of turning things around. We jettisoned off one of our captains, and then a week later we got rid of the other one and had to hire brand-new defensive captains because the guys that the teams elected at the beginning of the season were now playing for other football teams. So, I mean, I, I think that's you know kind of what it was. We've all been – we're all being patient. If we go through 3-14 and 14 again next year, Eberflus is fired, Ryan Poles is a bum, and you know all of this was an enormous – waste and 2022 will come under a completely different magnifying glass yeah it feels like the tone was even started to be set like from the Khalil Mack trade oh sure was the first, yeah yeah I mean I, I know you weren't saying like Robert Quinn was the first sign of that so right like, I agree that like in season that was the like oh yeah we're not trying to win as many games this season but it really was very early in in Ryan Poles's tenure that he made that known not not explicitly but implicitly that like yeah trading the best player on the team for a second round pick even even though it was an immediate second round pick it was still like a pretty clear early tone setting like I, I do think there was almost a masterful job there by polls of like they always pretended they weren't tanking so you kind of had at least <laughs> some benefit of the doubt or some you know some shred of like well they are I mean, we did believe them they were trying to win games there was yeah. no doubt that they did want to win some of those but like he towed that line in a way that I think was impressive, even though like that's not something to be super proud of, but I, I do think it's it's worth noting how well they kind of played both sides on that. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it was the NFL had figured us out or what the situation was, but from the Jets game through uh, the end of the season, the offense didn't quite seem to have that uh, that spark, or at least it wasn't as easy to score as it was in that previous five-game stretch from New England to... Uh, Atlanta, where we're regularly going up and down uh, the field. Uh, the Jets game, obviously Justin Fields was out with the, was it the ribs? Or what was the injury that, that took him out that of the Atlanta game? Shoulder, the well, it was the shoulder. It was the shoulder, that's right, shoulder uh, injury. And then there was that whole controversy the day of the game. Is it going to be Simeon or Peterman? Because <laughs> Simeon hurt himself uh, in, in warm-ups and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Didn't matter because... Uh, you know, it, the, the offense just had nothing, uh, you know, 10 points against the uh, the Jets, and they just kind of ran us off the field on a, on a rainy day in uh, uh, MetLife. And then fast forward a week later to the game that I've been looking forward to since that offensive ran, run began. I really wanted to see what we would do against Green Bay when we brought an offense with us this time. And the day of that game... Lauren was the day that I was scheduled for my third and final surgery because the first one was the emergency surgery that got the infection out of my body. The second one was more of an exploratory surgery to make sure that they got everything the first time around. And then the third and final surgery was to close me up because the wound had been open that whole time. So 
Uh, six o'clock in the morning, my surgeon comes in. He does his morning rounds. Says, yeah, we got you on the board right now for 8, 8.30. And this is Sunday morning. Okay? It's a one to two hour surgery. So let's say two hours at the most. You know, give me a little time. I should just be coming out of my anesthesia fog in time for the game to start. Okay? And instead... 8.30 became 9, 9 became 9.30, 10, 10.30, 11. And I'm being wheeled into the OR at 11.45. I wake up in recovery. It is 3.45. I've missed every single snap of this game. <laughs> and I am, <laughs> I'm pretty pissed because, you know, they had been telling me the few days before that, you know, that's where they've, they've got me and all that kind of stuff. Unless something jumps in the line, you know, and they and, and me as a former athlete, being superstitious and whatnot, they kept throwing that thing out there that leaves the window open, which was unless something comes in that jumps ahead of you, like an emergency surgery, like the one that I had uh, a few days before. Uh, like it's like I just it's like stop saying that, stop saying that. Even though if, I know you're trying to set an expectation with me so that I won't be surprised if that happens, stop putting it out there, stop putting it out there, and sure enough. There were like two surgeries that went in before me to the fact that I missed the entire game. Now, it turns out this was somewhat of a blessing in disguise because I know that I would have been throwing shit at the television watching us go up 16-3 to on this team and then choke our ass to lose 28-19, to uh, especially with the way that it was going at the end. Like I, don't, I, don't, I know that I would not have been emotionally been able to handle watching that fall apart in front of me like that. It was not fun. I agree, and I, I, I'm sure the maybe the anesthesia would have made it easier on you. <laughs> but maybe the pain but, meds. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I think you could at least have have taken solace in, and I'm, and I'm sure you know you have like that that Justin played well in that game. Oh yeah, right? I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, it was not like a his fault. Like he was intercepted on the, at the very end of the fourth quarter there, but like he did not blow nineteen points or give up eighteen points or whatever it was in the in the fourth quarter there. Like there was, uh, they, they, it was more important. Like obviously you want to beat Green Bay and you want to play well, et cetera. But like it was more important that he played so well and took care of the ball well. I mean, moved the ball in terms of like efficiency and in, in quarterbacking and just like yeah. looked like a good passer in that and made some plays there that otherwise even like hadn't seen him like complete that high, that hyper high completion percentage. Like he was just, he was just rolling. He was in rhythm yeah. in a way that was just new and interesting. And it, it didn't result in 300 yards. And I think he still had like a couple of interceptions in the game, but it wasn't like he was making terrible decisions. He was largely taking care of the ball really well and looked, looked to the part against green Bay in a big moment coming off of an injury. So it was like, okay, there's something there, even though the rest of the game was, was horribly frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was thrilled when I saw his stat line, obviously I wasn't thrilled with the, with the two interceptions, but 20 of 25, uh, you know, he did everything. Like he was checking all the boxes in a Justin Fields game. Like he, he had that big touchdown run, which somehow he magically did that like five times uh, this year. Those big, you know, 40 plus yard touchdown uh, runs. He did it against green Bay too. It was like, Ooh man, that's sweet. And then, you know, like 20 of 25, that throw that he had to Equinemia St. Brown that got us inside the red zone, that throw to Nikhil Harry, the placement of it, uh, and all that kind of stuff. He was checking all the boxes, like you said. He 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 looked like he looked the part uh, uh, against uh, uh, Green Bay, and then unfortunately, with the way the rumors are going right now, that might have been our last crack at Aaron Rodgers in a Packer uniform. Not that I'd be sad about that, but it would be 
you know, kind of bittersweet all at the same time. But it's just like I was pissed that I missed the game and then kind of relieved after I sat down and watched like the 10 minute condensed version uh, on YouTube. It was like this game would have drove me nuts at the end. The fourth quarter, I'd, I'd have been trying to rip the TV out of the ceiling uh, in my in my in my hospital room. It just that, that would have driven me nuts watching them piss it away like that again. Yeah, I, I, I was just looking back at it, and like the Bears had 400 yards of offense in that game. Like they had more offense than than Green Bay, despite losing by what was it nine points when it was mm-hmm. all said and done. Like there was there was a lot to like. There's so many of those games this season where it's like, man, there was a lot to like about what they were able to do in that game. They just didn't win them, and like the the whole like moral victory thing kind of gets old pretty quickly. Yeah, Fields, twenty of twenty five, two fifty four. No touchdowns, but two picks, and he had he had the fifty five yard touchdown run. Montgomery, you know, had a good day. I think I think that was his most passing yards in a single game this season. I think I'm, you're right. Yeah, I'm pointing up. He was, that was only one of two games he went over two hundred yards, and the only one he went over two fifty. Yeah. And his highest completion percentage in a game. Like there was it was rhythm passing offense with a couple of interceptions there. Yeah, you got Monty with a with what four and a half yards uh, a carry in that one and a touchdown. Uh, you know, Fields with the 55-yarder. Um, St. Brown with 85 yards in a, in a game. Uh, Cole Komet, six Revenge catches game. for 72. Yeah. You know, it's like all of this stuff was fantastic. Even Claypool, five catches. That was probably his most prolific game of the season. Uh, you know, even though it's only 28 yards, but it's like five catches getting Claypool involved. That was something that we'd all kind of been waiting uh, to see. So it's like a lot of good things happened in that game. It was just watching the defense give up 18 points and letting another game to Green Bay slip away uh, was the frustrating part. At least at that point in the season, like, I think our expectations were set properly to where, like, yeah, I mean, when you're up 19-6 or whatever over Green Bay, like, you do believe you're going to win that game and you're disappointed when you lose it. But, like, the crushingness, the crush of the defeat felt less so because it was the sixth in a row. Like, we've been through that five five or six times and, like, oh, they should have beat the Dolphins, should have beat the Lions, should have beat the Falcons, like, yeah, they should have beat the Packers, but it's like, fool me now four times, shame on me. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we've, we finally get our, our long-awaited, long-needed uh, bye because the team was also starting to get real. I, had we lost Mooney by that point? I think it might have been that game. It was the Jets game that we lost Mooney. Oh. So, yeah, it was yeah. the Jets game. So a week before uh, we lost Mooney, so he's done. Uh, he would have been really helpful against Green Bay, but uh, that didn't happen. We go to our, our long-awaited uh, bye week, week 14. And then week 15 against the Eagle was kind of like the last stand as this team that was scrappy and fought until the end against mm-hmm. the now NFC champion Eagles uh, in Soldier Field. I mean, we took, not only did we take the Eagles' best shot, but we delivered quite a few shots of our own, picking off Jalen Hurts early. We ended up knocking him out of the ball. Well, not so much knocking out of the game, but... Knocked him out of a few games afterwards because he he played through the the rest of the game with that shoulder injury that knocked him out for a few weeks towards the end of the uh, end of the season. So the Bears did some damage to the Eagles uh, in that game, and like I said, it was kind of our last stand as this scrappy won't go away until the very end team. Yeah, it's wild too that like they gave up was like 150 plus yards to AJ Brown and Devonta Smith had over 100 too. Like, like the, the two of them ate this defense up, and yet still. The Bears were down like they only lost by five and had a shot down at the end there, like trying to drive down and needed to make a stop there to get the ball back. But like they were, like you said, like scrappy and, and right in it every step of the way against a team that was otherwise kind of, and they, the offense was moving it all over them. But Justin Fields 
was able to keep them in that game. And Man, that run like, that he had that they, they say stepped out, yeah. um, I mean, that was just like, oh, my God. I was, I was beside myself watching him uh, do that, just the, you know, the, the spin move, and then he's in, he's still on his feet. He's like, oh, my God, did he actually do it? It's like, no, he stepped out at the nine. It's like, man, what an effort. You know, it's just like this is just so like we got to get this guy some some tools and a little protection from the offensive line. And, you know, the the sky's the limit. You know, it just kind of leaves you salivating for what could be ahead uh, in 2023 if we can if Ryan Poles can work some magic and, and, and get get the right people around him. And I'm trying to remember, was that that drive did finish with a touchdown? Yeah, I was, there was one. Yeah, Montgomery like, scored like a, a play or yeah. two later. There was a, there was another drive later in the season. I don't remember which game where he had a long run and got him in the red zone, and they had to settle for a field goal. And it was like another one of those like, God, you know, like, like he he does he does so much of the Herculean effort to even get them right there, and then still the, the team not able to finish it off. But that one, good. I, I couldn't remember for sure, but Montgomery, you're right. Looks like nine yard touchdown there. So right, yeah, th- th- being able to take advantage of the things he was able to do was something we didn't see enough of this season, and ultimately why you get to three and fourteen. Yeah, and then. Um... You know, the, the, if the Eagles game was the last stand as kind of like a 60-minute not-going-away thing, the Bills game a week later was the last stand of us, you know, jumping out early and, uh, you know, against the, another superior team in the, in the Bills. We had a 10-6 lead uh, at halftime. We, we, were, we were, I think we forced a couple of turnovers against the Bills, and we really kind of had their number in the first half, and then in the second half, the wheels absolutely came off. We gave up twenty nine. We lost the second half twenty nine to three in route to the Bills winning thirty five to thirteen. And then you pretty much didn't hear from the Bears again for the <laughs> for the last few games because the the Lions was forty one to ten. That game was uh, embarrassing. And then twenty nine to thirteen against the Vikings to finish out the year. It's like after halftime against the Bills. We were the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, we th- those last yeah. ten quarters of the season, we literally were the worst team uh, uh, in the NFL, and was all up to the Texans on whether or not they were going to win that last game against Indy and give us the first round pick to show uh, the show, you know, proof uh, of us being the worst. Yeah, I remember coming out of that Eagles game and like having given up so many yards to Devonta Smith and AJ Brown that like Buffalo comes to town and you're like, oh man, well Stefan Diggs is good for a good 150 in this one plus you know whatever Gabe Davis or Dawson Knox or whoever can get some of their yards too. So it was it was wild to me that they kept Josh Allen as contained as they could, and a lot of it was Josh Allen making mistakes and and throwing some a couple of interceptions that he shouldn't and just being reckless and not accurate as accurate as you'd like in that really really cold game there. But like right. the, the the way that Buffalo just ran all over them and really established the, the line of scrimmage and just were the more physically tough team against this Bears defense. It kind of felt like physically they like took the life out of this Bears team that lingered for the last few games. Like they just couldn't they couldn't keep it the, that like energy up anymore after just getting run over in that way and kind of yeah. having the life taken out of them after another second half collapse. Well, it's just like, you know, it, it, it we just finally succumbed to the fact that we had this skeleton crew uh, of a football team. Uh, out there, you know, by then, you know, Poles was putting guys on IR left and right to shut them down uh, for the season, whether it was just to get them, you know, to protect them from themselves or to save them for 2023 or whatever, whatever the reason was. I mean, that was happening all the time. And, you know, I'm looking at tweets and, and seeing who the Bears are activating or bringing off. It was like, who the hell are these people? 
Who are they? I've never heard of them. Who the hell's number 35? I've never seen this guy before in my life, you know, and, and things like that. I'm, I'm watching the, the Lions game, and I don't recognize half the guys on the field. You know, it was, it was, it was remarkable. And the other thing about the, the Lions game is that I didn't watch about 80% of it because I don't know if you've ever had to stay in the hospital or at, all, at all, Lauren, and I hope that you don't if you haven't, but um, you don't sleep in the hospital because they don't let you. <laughs> yeah. You know, nurses coming in and out constantly needing to check vitals or check this or do that or give you pills or, or, or whatever. So when you're in the hospital or and at this point in time, I was in the, the rehab center uh, building up my strength so I could go home again. Uh, you sleep when you can. And even though I had every intention of watching this game, I got to us, um, you know, Justin Fields had that great like designed uh, run where Cole Komet pitched him the ball. And, you know, I think we had to settle. I think that's the play you were talking about. Yep. Like Komet pitches him the ball. He gets it inside the 10. We had to settle for a field goal. After that, I was out like a light. You know, it was like I didn't sleep much at all if, you know, the night before, uh, you know, and every time I was trying to catch up on sleep before the game, uh, there was always some kind of distraction that, that, you know, just kept me awake and all that kind of stuff. And I just succumbed to it during the game. But every time I opened my eyes, the score kept getting worse. <laughs> every time I opened my eyes, Detroit had scored once or twice, you know, since the last time that they scored. I was like, Jesus Christ. And at the end of it, 41 to 10 uh, ended up being the final score. I was like, I know. That were the line, like when we met in, in you know, uh, earlier in the season, uh, we kind of, cro- you know, did that crisscross where it's like the, the Bears were, were up and then started going down. The Lions were down and started going up. That was kind of like the apex point right there where those two moments met because we just kept losing after we, we played the Lions. And the Lions used our game as, uh, you know, a springboard to winning, what, eight of the last 10? Uh, games of the season or something like that. that and you know the 30 point win, 31 point win uh, over us at the you know that final uh, or that first Sunday of the year was uh, kind of like the the cherry on top for them yeah it felt like one of the most lopsided Bears Lions games you've ever seen mm-hmm. like or at least in my lifetime I'm certainly I'm sure there have been worse or we would have heard about it and it's one of right. those NFL or, or team record type things I'm, I was just pulling up the game logs it looked like there was one in 2005 when the bears beat them 38 to 6 like it's early in that like week two or three of that oh, season early on but game yeah bears lions like always ends up closer than it should be in either direction every seems like every single season like the last handful of games have all been basically one score games even when the lions are really bad and even in like 2018 when the bears were pretty good those were still some of the closer games on the schedule so it's just weird to see like that that team be the one that really kind of breaks the bears back in that yeah. regard. Cause it was like, Oh, well, we'll at least keep it close against the lions after it just gotten their butts kicked against the Eagles and bills. Like they'll come roaring back for this divisional game. And it just was not, no, it didn't happen at all. The, the bears had kind of uh, shot their wad on that opening drive where we had to settle for a field goal. It was like, it just, it was yep. all downhill after that. I mean, I, I know we scored a touchdown uh, later on in that football game, but that was basically it for us on offense in that game, because Justin Fields had a hundred yards rushing in the in the in the first, first quarter. quarter of the game, and ended up with like what one thirty or something like that for the entire game. Yeah, and I still still don't have a great explanation as to what changed, like what happened there. Yeah, like how how it completely tailed off from there. Like we obviously you could see like how much the team was struggling defensively, but like that doesn't 
explain how Justin's yards go that far down, but it's just like the offensive line breaking down a little bit, some penalties in there, and then of course, you know, they couldn't get anything going in the passing game, and you start losing that much on the scoreboard, you're not going to be running as much, but right. still, like, to be that drastic of a drop-off, we knew he wasn't going to do 400 yards, like he wasn't going to do 100 yards a quarter, but to, <laughs> to drop off as much as he did was striking. And then for the second year in a row, uh, Justin Fields sits out the finale against uh, Minnesota, but for the first time in, what, six, seven years, the finale's in Chicago uh, instead of uh, Minnesota. And uh, the Vikings come into town looking to just, you know, are, are looking to try to earn the second uh, seed uh, against the Bears. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for them because the 49ers went ahead and won their game uh, to, to cement the, the number two. But um, this was also another game where my sleep schedule hadn't quite caught up to itself, and I ended up sleeping through about 70% uh, of this one as well, not missing much because we lose 29-13. to 13. And, and if I thought the team was unrecognizable against Detroit, I really did not know who the hell was on the field uh, against the Vikings because, I mean, we were literally pulling guys off the street to play that game for us. Yeah, I was I was on a couple of Vikings podcasts before that game, and I was telling them how you know the NFL took away the fourth preseason game, so the Bears and Vikings decided that they were going to take it back in Week 18. <laughs> like that's that's how they were handling this game. Like, I mean, when you go between Nathan Peterman and Tim Boyle, it kind of tells you how serious the Bears were taking trying to win that game because it was just. It was miserable. I was I was honestly impressed with Nathan Peterman because I'd come in with the lowest of expectations, right. but yeah. uh, not a game that. Uh, that, that's the game I definitely felt like I paid the least attention to. I mean, I watched the whole game, but like as far as being engaged and stuff, like I would have much rather been sleeping through it. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, but Bayless Jones had a big run. Like there were a couple of moments there. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's, there was some, some guys there were some, some moments stuff. and, and you know, some things happened and, uh, you know, uh, a team won and a team lost. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the teams that we expected to win and lose won and lost that game, but it's just, uh, you know, it, it was the end, and it's it's over with. Uh, I don't necessarily feel like this was one of those years like last year where it's just like, I cannot wait for this to be over. You know, I cannot wait for this to be over. I mean, I know that we're all looking forward to this offseason and the draft and free agency and, and to see what polls can really do as opposed to being hamstrung the way he was when he took over uh, last year. But, you know, I, I don't think there's been like this dread where it's like, good God, is it over yet? Like the last year or two under under Nagy and Pace. So that's because I think I think if when, when you think about this season, like Justin, like every game was good experience for him. Right. Even when they lost, like there was still something we wanted to see out of that. And we were still hoping to see. And like that was kind of the debate heading into week 18. It's like. You know, if he's truly injured, then sit him. But, like, come on, he reported some hip pain, and then they put him on injured. Well, they didn't put him on injured reserve, but they shut him down, like, the beginning of that week. And But but still, like, this idea that part of what he's just needed is more time on the field with these receivers in this offensive system and that he was, generally speaking, getting better as the year went on. And it, and it felt like Detroit was the first game where he really took a, a significant step back. Right. Like he was making some added mistakes in that game that – was not great, but he had been steadily progressing forward, and I kind of ended on a low note there. But but otherwise, like it was like yes, the more time and more opportunities he can be on the field, the better for him and for this team, win or lose in these games. So it was like it wasn't like oh, 
we're not getting anything out of watching these 10 losses and it's just we're just wasting our time to get to the off season. It was like, oh, it is it is wasting our time in the sense of not winning and not mattering the outcome of these games. But there was there was a lot of evaluation going on of fields of Claypool of some of these young offensive linemen and I guess of the defense, although the evaluation was pretty quickly like, yeah, a lot of these guys aren't very good. Yeah, it was um, the portions of the game that I did watch were difficult uh, uh, yeah. to watch, watching the offense, you know, kind of spin its wheels, watching the defense uh, essentially get run over. I mean, 482 yards of total offense from the from the Vikings uh, in that game split up between, you know, Nick Mullins and Kirk Cousins uh, and everything. You know, it was just uh, difficult to watch, you know. Osborne with 117 yards receiving and uh, and all that kind of stuff. It just um, you know was a tough game to 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 sit through uh, to to close up the the end. But it wasn't it wasn't the sense of relief that the end of the season brought last year uh, when we were up in Minnesota and we choked that game away there at the uh, at the end uh, and everything. So. Yeah, if anything, like it, it wasn't relief there, but there's just the celebration of like Lovey winning with the Texans and securing the number one pick. Like in a weird way, like we were we were we were glad for that last loss. Like the, collectively, there was this sort of like, oh yeah, like it was like it was worth it at that point. Like yeah. okay, like all all of that suffering paid off because okay, we did get the number one pick. Like if if they had had number two, I still think it would have been worth it. But there was something that felt like a milestone, like an accomplishment to have hit number one and really have like cashed in fully on the tank. It was a fully successful tanking operation. It wasn't like a half-assed tanking <laughs> where they sort of aren't fully committed to it. It was like, nope, they got the number one overall pick. Okay, now it's easier to look back and say, okay, it was worth it. That was why we suffered through all of that. Right. Yeah, and and, and again, it just kind of goes to what I was saying before. This is the weirdest year ever to be a Bears fan because – Nothing really seemed to go right, and you know the things that did go right were the things that we wanted to go right, like seeing the you know the progression uh, of Justin Fields. He still has some room to grow and and some skills he needs to hone uh, and everything. But otherwise, for the first time in a long time, we can honestly say as Bear fans, we have a quarterback. You know, not just because we simply have one on the roster, but we actually have one and one that uh, you know any other team in the league would be happy to have. So what any other team in the league, but most teams in the league would, <laughs> would be very, very happy to have. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's why it's, it's why I think that's part of why you have the part of why you have the Justin Fields trade rumors or, or speculation. There's not even rumors because there's not, there's not any foundation, but why, why people have speculated about that is also because I think a bunch of other teams would want Justin Fields. Right? Like that's that's kind of the missing the missing thing in that conversation is like, yeah, if you're going to trade him, that's going to mean other teams would want to trade for him. And then why would you trade him if so many other teams also would want him? That maybe maybe a sign about what you have there that you would be getting giving up in that way. And it, but there's there is now in this offseason such a a confidence and a, and a reassuring feeling of like, okay, now you can really build around that quarterback position like with Mitch it was still like yeah you want to build around the quarterback position to give him the best chance to be successful and kind of see what he can do but we're really seeing what Justin Fields can do already and seeing how dynamic that can be and now it's just a matter of seeing how high that ceiling is but we've certainly we've established uh, already a baseline level of dynamic playmaker that is rare yeah and, and and it also is is one of the reasons why we as Bear fans 
love having the number one pick for the first time in what, like 70 years or whatever it's been. Um, because we have our quarterback, we've got the, we've got the best bargaining chip in, in the entire NFL right now. We have the number one overall pick where there are at, at least two solid blue chip quarterbacks, or, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, as far as the, the whole draft Nick thing goes, um, there are at least two quarterbacks out here to be had. And if you want your choice as to which one it is, instead of having to settle for the other, give us a call and, you know, offer us the world and, uh, you know, we'll see whether or not we'll let you have it. It sounds like an infomercial call one 800 this Hall today and operators are standing by to take your trade offers. <laughs> well, like that, uh, that, that Alan Robinson video that you made. Oh yeah. That, yeah. uh, the good they, old days that they pulled from the, from the internet for, for copyright or whatever it was. Sarah McLaughlin's record company. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> that song sucks anyway. But yeah, uh, who cares? But yeah, I mean it's 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 amazing that uh, you know we have all the cap space uh, in the world. We have the number one pick, and we don't need a quarterback. So anyone who's desperate for one, like the Colts or you know or even the Texans, if they want to make sure that they get their guy or whatever. I don't think they're going to go from two to one because they know we don't need a quarterback. So if I'm the Texans, that's I'm not even going to bother to pick up the phone. But you know, it's it's. I know uh, some people are saying like Todd, Todd McShay came out and said like he thinks the Texans are going to try like heck to swap, swap picks and get up to one to take their quarterback to make sure that no one else jumps them. The way the Bears uh, went from three to two for Trubisky just to make sure that no one jumps them. Right. Well, sure, but it's going to cost them like three ones to do it. <laughs> just. If I'm Ryan Poles, I'm going to be, you know, absolute. I'm going to do to them what the 49ers did to us. Yeah. You know, it was just like, yeah, I don't uh I don't need next year's third round pick, but I'm 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 going to have to take that from you if 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 you really want this. Cuz um, we got the Colts on line 2 and yeah. we got the Panthers on line 3 and uh yeah, we're we're, we're taking we're in a conference call right now. We're already talking about 2025 picks with those guys, so you need to <laughs> belly up to the table if you really want this number 1 pick. So, do you think the Bears are going to pick number one? I don't. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know that they're going to go super far down. I'm. I'm and, and you've already got people now. It's like okay, like when you're projecting trades, they'll trade to two with the Texans, and then they'll trade to four or trade to seven from there. And I, I think that's probably too wishful thinking. But right. I, I imagine they, they probably still stay in the top five, but pick at either two or four, and hope that they get one or of Jalen Carter or Will Anderson to choose from. And and I think they'd be happy with either one being able to follow them and maybe they have a preference of one or the other, but can feel like both are very good and we'll be happy if like, say you go to four and only one of them makes it down that far. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm very fond of the mock drafts that I see with the have your cake and eat it too, where we, 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 we trade out of the number one spot and still land like Will Anderson at number four, uh, you know, where the, you know, the Colts go up and, and somehow Anderson gets past the Cardinals and, and lands in our lap at number four uh, kind of thing. Um, All I, you need is two quarterbacks in those first three picks. Yeah. You know? and so, I mean, but I've been hearing you're you're the draft guy. You tell me, do we want Carter <laughs> or do we want Anderson? Because I've been hearing wishy-washy things about Carter. Like some he's kind of like, um, oh, who did they compare him to? where he takes plays off and, you know, things like that. And he can be a beast when he wants to, but his motor's not always running kind of thing. So I, I will admit on the front end, I haven't sat down and done like 
a lot of in-depth work on both of them. But mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of the conversation also comes down for me, like what, what they're able to do and not in free agency. Like yeah, not yeah. that you want to draft purely for need and if you, but it, but that, you know, if they're able to address defensive tackle with a couple of guys in free agency, then I'm much more inclined to go get Will Anderson. Cause how much, you know, how much do you want to double up on the defensive tackle spot? Whereas I do feel like edge rusher is the spot where it's, easier to have three or maybe even four guys rotating in a, in a group there and making a big impact. So, and plus the edge rusher for agent class is not, not, not nearly as strong as the defensive tackle class as, right. it, as it stands today. So like I, I find myself leaning Will Anderson there because of just availability and, and positional value in that. But I, there's a lot to like about Jalen Carter and there's a lot, there's a lot of value to having that three technique defensive tackle. And we've heard Iberflus and Poles both talk about how important that position is up the middle of the defense. But, you know, do you take a, a three technique number one overall or number two overall or number four overall? I mean, the edge rusher is kind of like, that's the position you take there. And the, the, the Aaron Donalds of the world even fall to the 10 or outside of the top 10. It was 15 or right before 14. Kyle Fuller. So was it, it was 13. Was it 13? We were 14. Yes. They were 13. As the my biggest draft heartbreak ever, and this was before I, you know, obviously that we knew what we what we were gonna what we missed in in Aaron yeah. Donald, but it was like I watched his highlight tape out of Pitt, and I was like, this is the guy we got to get him. And all, all I heard throughout the entire draft season was, if he makes it past the Giants at twelve, he's ours, you know, because yeah. the the Rams had drafted defensive line every year for like the last six years they don't need another defensive lineman and sure enough at 13 they took him and the rest is history I mean and not that we did too bad with Kyle Fuller but Kyle Fuller or Aaron Donald it's not even a debate <laughs> so I, I remember yeah. that draft day like after the Giants pick came in we we're like yes we're gonna get him like let's yeah. go <laughs> next Tommy Harris oh god yeah that one still sucks man but uh but yeah so I mean I'm I'm we're in the off season now. We're it looks like we're bringing everybody back. Like, where are we making any changes in the coaching staff that you're aware of? So the the defensive backs coach left to take another job, and so that's open. But it wasn't like he was. I mean, it hasn't been reported like they let him go, but like it sounds like he wanted to go on his own. So they still have the safeties coach Andre Curtis. He's more like the cornerbacks coach guy left. So they. They were talking to one of Green Bay's assistants. They were trying to spring over, and there was another guy too. I don't remember who, but other than that, so far we don't know of, of any other changes so far. Okay. All right, that works. And uh, so, like, no, like, overhaul. Like, we're bringing in a brand new offensive line coach because we were terrible through the year, and you know, uh, or anything like. No knee jerk reaction to the to the way that the season went, everybody's staying put. We're going to give this, this staff another year uh, before we start uh, making changes. Correct. And, and one of the people they interviewed for the, the or they're trying to interview, I don't know what, where it came out for the defensive backs coach job is Chris, Chris Harris. Harris. Yeah, I, yeah. That's former bear. That's who I was thinking of. It's like, but I hear he's up for like other jobs. So, yeah, you know, so I think that's what the bears are waiting for is like now, you know, like Fangio just got the dolphins defensive coordinator jobs. Like all the other, like, coaching spots have to fill up and they have to fill out their staffs before these other assistant coaches figure out which assistant coach job they want to take. You know, it's like, who's going to get these other jobs and then how, how are they going to fill their staffs? And then who's going to be left to take the other openings at other, you know, cornerbacks coach jobs. Right. Right. And with the, with the um, 49ers losing today, that probably sends D'Amico Ryans to Houston. If, if the rumors uh, are true and then the dominoes will start to fall as he fills his staff. 
up uh, and everything if that does, in fact, go ahead and, and, uh, and happen. Uh, and there's rumors there. the, the Broncos are waiting for Jonathan Gannon from the Eagles. Right. And he's a fan. I mean, he's a he's an Eberflus coach. He was Eberflus's defensive backs coach in, in Indianapolis. So I wonder if they end up competing for their friends that would be their assistant coaches on their staff. You know, like if Eberflus wants a guy, but that guy's also friends with Gannon, and maybe Gannon could give him a better position in in Denver if he if he takes that job. You know, it's it's sort of the coaching politics of all that. Right. Yeah. The that that carousel that we don't really hear much uh, about. You know, it's like once you get to once you get the head coach, the OC, and the DC hired, you you really don't hear much about it unless you're uh, entrenched in the in the fan base and actually care who the offensive line coach uh, is going to be. It's not necessarily a a headline kind of hire uh, when it comes to filling out coaching staffs. Well, a lot of those conversations are going to happen next week down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and that's you know that's when those those coaches start talking. And like I remember last year when we were down there, I was hanging out with the guy who hosts Locked On Chiefs, Ryan Tracy, and we, we we saw Ryan Poles down on the sideline talking to one of the Chiefs executives, Trey Kozoil. And I like I turned him and he, I was like, "Do you know who Ryan was talking to?" He's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's Chiefs college scouting director, whoever Trey Kozoil." And three weeks later, the Bears brought him onto their front office. Like it, and it was like. We saw them talking at training at at the Senior Bowl, like having that conversation clearly, like laying the groundwork for like, hey, you know, we want you in our front office. And, and now he's the co-director of player personnel in the Bears front office. So like those conversations are, are happening down there. And if you can spot the right people and recognize the right faces, you can get a sense of maybe where some things are brewing. Yeah, it's probably an exciting atmosphere to be a part of like there and like the combine where, yeah. you know, like the free agent discussions are beginning and, and you know, you're having these interviews with these kids uh, you know, who want to get drafted and uh, and all that kind of stuff. There's always a lot of behind closed doors things happening uh, around there. It's, it's uh, you know, quite the um, quite the Petri dish for rumors and, and, and all that kind of stuff to, uh, you know, to, to be around there. So um, I, I remember a couple of years ago, there's like one main bar down there that a lot of the NFL people go around to. And it was right after Matt rule got hired by the Panthers. It mm. was like, this was like two or three weeks after he got hired was when that senior bowl started. And you know, he got like a seven year, hundred million dollar contract. Right. It was one in the morning at this bar and he and like three assistants walk in with like four giant to go boxes of chicken wings and just sit down at the bar and we're going to town. It was, it was just <laughs> really fun to watch. And they were clearly like had, had a few drinks and were kind of enjoying his new contract and everything. And, some late night wings at the bar was always uh, it looked like a lot of fun for them. Man, you know, just on a side note, speaking of Matt Rule, who got a really nice deal from Nebraska after he yeah. got let go from Carolina, what a racket college football head coaching is, man. <laughs> yeah. What a racket. I mean, I, I wanted to be a coach when I was in, in high school. I really should have stuck that out, man. I really – you know, and made some connections and some friends so I could have made it up to, you know, decent, uh, decent level college ball because they're paying guys to leave. You know, like, I don't know if you saw the video, it kind of went viral for Ed Orgeron yep. where he was talking about which door you want me to go out of? Yeah. It's yeah. like, which, what time you want me to leave? Which door you want me to go out of, brother? Cause they're going to pay him <laughs> $17.1 $1 to buy out his contract. It's like, yeah. You want me to wear a skirt when I'm leaving too? $17 million, do whatever the hell you want. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, never have to work a day again in his life if he doesn't want to, $17 million. I mean, come on. And, you know, uh, Frost got paid a fortune to leave uh, Nebraska and, you know, and all that. What's his name from uh, Chris from Wisconsin, you know, paid a small fortune, uh, you know, to leave and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And these guys got fired. 
They didn't resign or walk away. They got fired, and somehow it was written into their contract that they have to get so much of the money left on their contract before, they're, before they can let them go. It's like, who was the genius that got some school to agree to this and set the precedent? That's amazing. But, but of course, you know, they don't have enough money to pay the players anything. No. You know, no, 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 there's, no, no, no. Money, there's no money for that. There's money to pay these guys $20 million to leave, but uh, can't, can't get the players more than a scholarship and some books. So. It's amazing. It is absolutely <laughs> amazing. I mean, I just I sit in awe every year when the coaching carousel in college football uh, say, I mean, because, you know, in the NFL, the contracts are guaranteed, so these guys are going to get paid to sit at home, essentially. You know, they're under personal service contracts to the to their respective teams. But it's not like the Bears are going to come in tomorrow and fire Matt Eberflus and give him the last four years, you know, pay him, like write him a check for the last four years of his contract, you know. And, and I think they stop paying him once they get another job. So they're not going to be able to get paid by two employers, right? It depends on the contract, but yeah, that was part of the thing with Matt Rule is that I think his Panthers contract stopped paying him as soon as he got the Nebraska job. So, right. but that's that's one of the rumors with the with the Raiders and Josh McDaniels that like they've kind of wanted to fire Josh McDaniels, but they don't have enough money to like the owner does not have enough cash on hand to pay him the rest of his contract and pay a new coach whatever the new coach's contract is going to be. Like they can't afford to fire Josh McDaniels. Yeah, amazing. So, you know, I was like, I think it's pretty, pretty outrageous that, you know, you can get fired as an NFL head coach. And if you have three years left on your, like Matt rule could have sat and did nothing for the next four years and made $8 million a year to do it under contract with the Panthers. But instead he decided to take the job with Nebraska where he's making nearly that much, uh, you know, to try to dig that team out of the big 10 seller. So, um, but it's, it's just, it's it's complete insanity on on you know in college football where these guys are making anywhere from seventeen to fifty million dollars or whatever to walk away because they're being let go. They did not do their job well, and yet they're being rewarded in a way to uh, to to you know to piss off essentially. It's it's unbelievable. So anyway, that's the end you of are, that tangent. You definitely you definitely didn't take the right career path there. Right. Yeah, no, I screwed that up. I, I really did. <laughs> yeah. And I, otherwise you'd be a college football head coach, right? Now. Oh yeah. It's and I, and I, it's that easy, you yeah. know, and I, and I'd get a job at Vanderbilt and, and maybe make a million or two a year or something like that. And after we've Alabama every year. Yeah. And then yeah. after we've gone four and, you know, three and nine for the fifth year uh, in a row or whatever, I get the last two years of my contract for, you know, just write me a check for it and I'll go and sit at home and, and, you know, watch television and, all that kind of coach my kids high school team or whatever it's and you know that kind of thing it's uh that's the that's the life i should have gone for but i didn't know better so if i'd only known i would have tried a lot harder that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) but um so real quick let's wrap this up free agent uh targets i think tops on my list would probably be deron Payne. who who defensive tackle out of uh washington anybody else on on your radar that you that you know the Bears are going to make a splash day one as opposed to last year where Poles was like, yeah, don't look for us until like wave two or three. Yeah, he said that and then signed Larry Ogunjobi to a $13 million <laughs> year contract. So, <laughs> you know, there's, there is that. And speaking of Larry Ogunjobi, a free agent again, I, yeah. I can't help but wonder if he becomes this year's consolation prize. Like, you know, he was the, he was the big 
the big fish last year couldn't get him went with Justin Jones as the consolation prize. I wonder if like Deron Payne or I'll throw out Javon Hargrave from the Philadelphia Eagles. They're their defensive tackle. He's really, really good too. Oh man, like if he, he was a monster he, today. Yeah, and he's a free agent, and I don't know if they can fit right? all those defensive linemen wow. that they've got. So I mean, we'll see if, if he becomes available or not. But he's he's a few years older than Payne. I think he might turn thirty like next season. So, you know, not quite the same window that the Bears are in, but just give me the good player and we'll make it work. But um but maybe like if those guys are the big fish this year, if you can't get them, then is Ogan Joby the fallback plan this year instead of the instead of the primary plan? But other guys I'll throw out there quick. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle for the 49ers. Nice. You know, yeah. He's not like a top five right tackle in the NFL, but he's always like top 10, top 15. You know what you're getting is really solid. Just shore up that spot and don't worry about trying to have Larry Borum or whoever compete there. Like leave Tevin Jenkins at right guard, Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. You're, you're solid. You're just, you just, you're yeah. going to be solid there. I don't care that he got thrown aside by who was it last not in the divisional round. I don't remember. Michael Parsons completely like picked him up and tossed him aside like a rag doll, but he's still a, a really good right tackle. And then the one that the one like the, the luxury signing that I want, you know, everybody's talking about Saquon Barkley, which I don't think is going to happen, mm-hmm. but Evan Ingram, the tight end, formerly of the Giants okay. now spent this year with the Jaguars, like to pair him with Cole Komet as basically a wide receiver, just, just he happens to play tight end, but all the free agent wide receivers suck this year. I mean, it's, it's Jacoby Myers and, Juju Smith-Schuster and a bunch of mediocre guys. Uh, don't sign a wide receiver, then go get the big tight end that basically plays wide receiver and can still outrun linebackers and can still body cornerbacks and be that mismatch at that position and make plays yeah. after the catch. You know, absolutely would love both of them. Yeah, second half of the year, he really turned it on. I mean, everybody in Jacksonville did, but he really turned it on second half of the year, started hearing his name more and more. And then those games where Jacksonville kept popping up on – uh, national TV and in, in that game against uh, San Diego, San Diego, still doing that uh, <laughs> against the Chargers uh, and everything. You know, he's he's obviously one of um, one of Lawrence's favorite targets, and and he, he played his ass off uh, in those last eight to ten games of the year. Really helped Jacksonville get where they got. Just seemed like Doug Peterson knew a lot more of how to use a player like that than mm-hmm. in New York, where they were they were still trying to make him a regular tight end for a while there, and then they just never quite figured out how to take a first round pick athletic freak at tight end and really have that thrive. And I think Jacksonville was like, yeah, it's going to be a buy high situation. He's going to cash in after one really good year. But I think for me, it was more like it was less of a fluke and more like, oh yeah, that's how you use a player like that. And that's the proof that he is actually really good and and plays like the first round pick that he was. Right. Yeah. That would, uh, that would be interesting uh, for sure. Speaking of Saquon, you mentioned it and I mean, could you be any more torn on a player? as far as like bringing him in and, and all that kind of stuff. It is like he, he had the year that you want to have when you're going into free agency. Um, yeah, he was, you know, a little banged up from time to time, but not the debilitating season ending injuries that he'd kind of been having the last couple of years. Um, he was definitely the steam that drove the engine with that offense, uh, of theirs. And he could definitely add a dimension that doesn't exist on our team, right now as far as like having the back that could run away from everyone. We don't have that guy. Montgomery and Herbert, they're not run away from the pack guys. They can break one and get you a nice big chunk of change, but as far as like running away from everybody, that's not what they do. Barkley has that extra gear where if he's out in open space, you can forget about it. But is he worth 14 to $16 million a year despite the fact that we have that money to spend? You know, I feel like if if my choice is Montgomery at twelve or Barkley at sixteen, I would take Barkley at sixteen. But I but I do feel like 
the third choice there is neither, and I, I feel a little bit better about that one than than either of those two. <laughs> like with like good Barkley, it's like it's the com for me. The, the concern is the combination of the ACL tear two years ago, and 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 then having I think a hip the year after, and just feeling like you know this was a great year and looked back to Barkley, but. I just have some durability concerns about running backs in general. And, and along with that, like he's now up to, I think a little over right about a thousand carries in his career and about 250 catches. And, you know, just that long-term wear and tear on running backs, there's a certain threshold they hit where they tend to fall off. And some people say it's at 1500 touches. Some people say it's at 2000 touches, but like he's approaching that line where it's just running backs can't be that much of a workhorse for that long in their careers anymore. We, we just don't see team, we don't see backs really hold up that well that long. And so and if I'm going to, I would want, I would need like no more than like the first year or maybe two fully guaranteed, but I would need the flexibility to get out of the contract after two years at the absolute most. Cause I just, I, I don't want to be locked into like Zeke Elliott's contract with the Dallas Cowboys where like a year later they're, regretting how much money they gave him and how locked in they are to that. Not that he's terrible, but he's just not, he's not playing like the 16 or $18 million running back, whatever his contract is right now is way more than Dallas should be paying him and, and wants to be paying him. And they're pretty well locked in because of how it's structured. So that's, that's what scares me about Barkley. It's not because I have doubts about how good he is as a player, but yeah. it's like how, how locked in I want to be to that and whether or not in the future, there's a drop off there coming, even if right now he would be a huge for this offense and a lot of fun to watch. Well, that's the thing about, running backs in this era uh, of football it's like they you, you have these 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 backs that they're ultra productive they can do everything they are the actual you know the absolute center point of their offense and there's no gradual decline there's their top 5 today and then they are garbage literally the next day i mean it's you saw it happen with Todd Gurley you saw it happen you know with with other uh, backs of, of, of his ilk, it's like one day he just couldn't play anymore. One day Todd Gurley's knees couldn't hold up to the, you know, to the demand uh, of the NFL schedule anymore. I mean, he lingered around in the league for a couple of years playing for a, different, a few different teams after the Rams let him go, but he was never Todd Gurley again. And that's what you're seeing more so these days uh, uh, in the NFL is that once that starts to happen, it happens all the way and it happens right now. It's not something like, oh, he went from 1,100 yards to, to 900, then he went from 900 to like eight, and then, it, then, then he had that dip to 600, and that's when we knew it was like, no. It went from he was a 1,300-yard back to he could barely get 500 yards the next year after that because he barely saw the field or he was so banged up, uh, you know, he, he didn't have the same burst as before and uh, so on. It's like I think that's more the thing with – the running backs, like you said, once they hit that threshold, they go off a cliff. It's not a gradual decline where, you know, you see the production slowly taper off. It pretty much just disappears. And it, there was a moment there where we felt like maybe Barkley was going through that, not because his career was just so long, but it was like after that ACL injury, the next season, you know, he still played 13 games and it was like not, it was not the same Barkley. And he went from right. clearly like top five pick level, you know, elite running back playmaker to, kind of just a guy there. And that, that's again, like what scares me, like if he's already kind of had that drop off once, even when he seemed to be kind of healthy again, like it makes me feel more like that drop off is bound to happen again anytime. Cause we've already seen it. It's not just like that thing on the horizon. It's like, wait a minute, we just, we just got through that and he seems to be back, but is he really back? Or is this just kind of a, a mirage and the drop off is still, still there and still coming. Yeah. It's uh it's a conundrum for sure. Cause I'm sure that's uh 
a debate that will rage on until Barkley signs with somebody is, uh, you know, will that be something that we're like, you know, that's something the Bears should have done or, uh, or, or what have you. Uh, apparently, if Barkley has his way, he's staying in New York. But, you know, people say things. So who knows? But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be an interesting uh, free agency uh, period. And the, the, the thing about the year that Justin Fields had – and not to mention that apparently in a few years we're moving into a brand new stadium because that's what our new president and CEO is 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 saying, uh, along with our with our owners and chairman and and, and whatnot that the focus is Arlington Park, uh, Arlington Heights I should say uh, going going forward. So that beautiful rendering that uh, the city of Chicago put together is uh, all for naught. But um, you know the way Justin Fields played and his obvious need for a counterpart makes Chicago a destination all of a sudden. It does. I mean, he's a free agent. Like it's amazing that a three and 14 team is a team that like, I think free agents are going to want to come play for, you know, this is not going to be like, because this, this is a team with so much optimism and having, especially that, that face of that guy here. It's not just like, it's not just like the coach or you know the, the innovative coach guy who's supposed to be the scheme, but it's like there's the the man that they can connect to in the locker room, their brother. It's not it's not the the boss that I want to come play under, but it's the the guy I want to come be teammates with and establish yeah. greatness with. I think, and I think you see some of that in in even in Kevin Warren coming in and wanting to be the CEO and president. Not that that's Justin Fields, but just that like this franchise, regardless of what the win loss record says, like has that cachet to be a desired landing space and to want to work for these people and with these people and be a part of that organization. I mean, not to mention if there was a time to jump into the NFC North, it's now, you know, it appears green Bay is, is, has finally run, you know, hit the end of its string, you know, Aaron Rodgers could be wearing a different uniform, uh, you know, next year. Uh, I think the Vikings are about to get themselves gutted. Uh, as far as, you know, starting over from there and, uh, you know, the Lions are the Lions. So maybe they ascend, uh, you know, or they continue this ascension that they've been on uh, this year. But to me, this is as open as the division has been in years. And if there was a time to try to jump in here and try to claim the North as your own, now is the time to to try to reestablish yourself as the, the new Green Bay and, and kind of take over the division for the next five to ten years now is the time uh, to do it, and Chicago has the quarterback, and they have the money to to welcome you in to also one of the best sports towns that exists on the planet. So, can can I throw a hot a, a semi hot take at you that I'm hit, workshopping? Go ahead. I I think it's it would be better for the Chicago Bears if Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay one more year. Oh, I, I agree, one hundred percent. Because they're because they're gonna they're they're already in some rough financial situations. So the, and they're if they if he stays, you know they're gonna have to push all this money in the future and do a bunch of void years and really go all in on this year again and then be even more screwed when he's done. And I'm not confident that him coming back will actually get them any farther than they did this year. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna make them keep all the guys that he likes and be not a very good team and get them into more financial trouble and really be that worse off that much worse off when he does leave as opposed to leaving now maybe getting something for him and. And, you know, be getting able to start out the Jordan Love era this way and stuff like I, and maybe if he stays, they'd have to trade Jordan Love and then be even more screwed. You know, if, if he leaves like it just it seems like the ideal scenario would be him staying. But it sounds like every all the rumors are saying not going to happen. Yeah. 
No, I, 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 I agree. For number one, we got to get over that hump, and it, it can't be beating the Packers. We have to beat Rodgers. You know, we we need to beat uh, or Rodgers. So, so I would, I, I, you know, I'd be happy to see him go, but I'd love for him to come back just so we could have the opportunity uh, to do it because he's it's it's going to happen, and I feel like next year. Uh, would be a very good opportunity for us to do it, especially if Ryan Poles is who we think he is as far as putting this uh, putting this team together. So, I mean, because it seems like he and Eberflus and company have done an outstanding job changing the culture because we had a team that fought to the very end until those uh, those last couple games happened. But by then, the team that we had at the beginning of the season didn't exist anymore. Most of those guys were injured or not playing or or – or what have you, but this was a team that, despite what was happening on the scoreboard, was still fighting uh, until the very end. And then you add a few, you had some talent in a, in a few key places on this roster, and you've really got something. And and I think that, you know, if, if polls can find the right guys to go along with what they've already done to the culture of the team, then, uh, you know, next year will be a year where, um, you know, we finally get over on the Packers, and if Rodgers is still around when that happens, it's all the better. Yeah, no, I know. I agree. I, I think we're going to have trouble this offseason with expectations for next year because I think we see we see what the Philadelphia Eagles do, yeah. getting everything around Jalen Hurts. Well, hell, dude, look what the Jaguars did. They were the exact yeah. same spot this this time last year. They had the number one overall pick. They had the most cap space. In the league, they went out and they spent a fortune. In in fact, overpaid for most of the guys they got. But they went defense with their number one overall pick because they already had their quarterback. Yeah, they started out slow, but they finished strong, won their division, and won a playoff game before giving Kansas City hell. Before you know, reality kind of set in the second half of that game. So you know, the Jaguars did the exact same thing this season. And and were able to get somewhat the desired result. They won the division. They went to the playoffs. They won a game. And, you know, they're on their way up, or at least that's what everybody thinks about the Jaguars right now. Yeah, it's 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 encouraging that it's not just like it's not just the Eagles where it's like, oh well, you got to hope that you know you catch lightning in a bottle the way they did, and and have the perfect storm to be able to build around the quarterback and have everything work the right way. That like you can look around and see kind of multiple examples of teams taking that step and building around the quarterback in this way and, and finding a way to do so that you're not just thinking, you're just hoping that the bears happen to pull out some miracle that there's, there's a little bit of a track record here of like, yeah, okay, this is, this is achievable. Even if there's different levels of achievement that it can result in. Yeah. And, and, and what I find in encouraging is that I think we have the right people in place to do like what you saw with, with Philadelphia and, you know, surrounding Jalen hurts and, and putting in a system where he's, able to thrive you saw it happen a few years ago even though it's kind of sputtering right now with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore they went all in on becoming the best rushing football team in the league and you know they went 14 and 2 he won the MVP and uh and all that kind of stuff they've they've had the success because they went all in on their quarterback same thing with with Josh Allen and the Bills. Yeah, he struggled his first year or two, but then they went out and got him Stephon Diggs, uh, drafted Gabe Davis or, you know, whatever, however they got him. Uh, and the next thing you know, you know, here they are, you know. You know what, man? What happens if uh, Buffalo is the number one seed? If, if, if everything is able to play out the way that it w- looked like it was going to before the DeMar Hamlin thing happened, and they actually play that game, say Buffalo wins, they're going to be the number one seed. 
uh, in the AFC. It's like how different are the AFC playoffs if that happens uh, kind of thing, just to go off on a little tangent. But, you know, it's it's just you like you're right. You, you see these examples around the league of what these teams are doing. I mean, and and honestly, I think the best example of it is San Francisco where they're doing everything they can they the the offensive line you got Debo Samuel you have a great running game you got some decent wide receiver targets despite the fact that they can't seem to plug in a permanent solution at quarterback they're thriving because the team around the quarterback is outstanding and that's kind of been my my silver lining with with the building around fields thing right is that like even if somehow some way things long term don't work out with Justin Fields for whatever reason i mean injury or something like if they if they're at least able to properly build around him, then if you have to make a quarterback change sometime down the line in the future, you will have a team built around the quarterback position to plug and play a quarter plug in whatever that new quarterback might be. Like it's it's always going to be in your best interest to just build around Fields now and and push that as much as you can, regardless of. I mean, presumably things should be just fine. But if they aren't, then you're still in a pretty good position, even if it isn't. Yeah. So I, like I said, and. I I think that we have the right people in place who are willing to do that as opposed to the regimes that we've had uh, in place prior to this who are trying to fit square pegs and round holes, you know, where especially with, with Nagy and, and, and his offense. And, it, dude, the things that have come out since Nagy was let go about how he never wanted Trubisky in the first place and, and, and all that kind of stuff, it's like, why take the job? Why take the job? Are you that desperate to be a head coach that you're willing to, you know, work with a quarterback you didn't want? You didn't want him, you know, and, and, and just, I, I just, just, it's frustrating to listen to these. So it's like you wasted four years of everybody's time with this nonsense. Four years. Well, and now he's back in the Super Bowl. Yeah, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, coaching the guy that he wanted all along, which was Mahomes. Yeah. So, you know, he's Mahomes quarterback coach and they're, they're uh, back in the Super Bowl and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's just like, yeah. But uh, apparently he's he's a, a, a an OC candidate around the league. He's like, oh, I'm, I would love to see this. I really would. You know, can he do it? I would I would love to find out, you know, but we'll see. I don't know. But Yeah. <laughs> I, best of luck to that franchise and those fans. Yeah, for anyone who's was like, what what about his time in Chicago made you think that he is the guy to be the, you know, not the head coach, but definitely your your primary uh, play caller? Andy Reid's endorsement? Because what outside of that would sell you on Matt Nagy right now? <laughs> hey, he's, he's coached Patrick Mahomes. He must be pretty good, huh? Hey, you know, I could coach Pat Mahomes. So, you know, big deal. That doesn't make me a top head, head coaching candidate or, or an OC guy that everybody wants. So, but, um, yeah, final thoughts on 2022? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a good experience to have gone through because I think it kind of resets kind of what, what rock bottom can feel like. And, and I think it was, <laughs> I don't know, like I was able to appreciate how bad it was. And I think it'll be, it'll be fun to look back on this season and see, like, his, some of those Justin Fields stat line, like the box scores from last game, like some of the, some of the last couple of games saying like, okay, like he was throwing to Equinemius St. Brown and Nikhil Harry and Dante Pettis. Wow. That's good. Like it'll be, it'll feel like 2017 when you look back at some yeah. of those like Trubisky's first year and the guys he was throwing to and the guys on those defenses. It's like, wow, that's, we, we were down bad. Then. Yeah. Wow. 
I think you're right. Yeah, you know, you, you look back. Well, it was like I said, those those last two weeks of the season, it was like, what number? Who the hell is that? It was like, when did we sign Taco Charlton? When did that happen? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like when did and, and when did we let him go? Because apparently he was on a different team at the end of the season. It's like what Correct. happened? So it's just like, uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be remarkable that um, you know how many how this team a changed from the the twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two, but how it will change in one fashion or another from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three, and how well will us having the number one pick set us up for the future. Will somebody give Ryan Poles that offer that he can't refuse, but that's also going to mortgage their future to improve ours? You know, like, because I think that's the other thing that people are kind of looking for as far as, or at least one of the reasons they want the Bears to trade that number one pick is that we, we trade number one, we get at least one future first rounder so that if, if Fields doesn't become the next Jalen Hurts in 2023, we've got two first-round picks to use to kind of trade up to go and get our guy in 2024. You know, so it's uh, it, it's one of those things. You know, will, will that be how it goes, or will we be using that to add more weapons? You know, maybe go get Marvin Harrison Jr. or something like that when he finally uh, comes yeah. out, or, or whatever the situation is to to really give something. Uh, to fields to to play with out there and, and and all that kind of stuff. It's like what, um, you know, like whereas a year ago at this time we were talking about, you know, it was like what's this team uh, going to look like? What's what was the, what will the Ryan Poles mold uh, reveal itself to be and, and and all that? Now it's you know what's what's this team going to look like and 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 who are the weapons or the pieces that are going to be added? Who are we going to go out there and give money to? Because we didn't have anyone to give money to last year. And, you know, we have a first-round pick this year. We have the first-round pick this year. And, you know, if we trade it away, who will we be able to get? Will we still be able to have our cake and eat it too and, and you know, like trade down to four or seven and still land one of those defensive uh, studs that will, you know, improve the defense immediately kind of thing and all the other pieces? Who will we resign? That's when actually I forgot to ask is, like, who are we keeping? Who are we extending? You know, do we give Mooney his extension now? Do we sign uh, Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson? Because I've been reading some, uh, like my friend Eric Lambert from Sports Mockery has been doing some mock off seasons, and, you know, here's a list of guys that he's bringing back, like Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson, uh, Darnell Mooney, all two extensions. Uh, we're, we're giving the veteran minimum to Nikhil Harry and, uh, you know, a couple other guys to, you know, keep somewhat of the nucleus of this team together kind of thing, but who do you think the Bears should bring back or spend some of that money extending into our future? Yeah, like you look at the list of guys who are going to be like legitimately free agents that would, you know, if they don't, if they don't give them a contract, they'll be gone. It's, it's, it's like David Montgomery is the only one that you really strongly consider. Like, I mean, right. it's like Byron Pringle, like Riley Reef, maybe, you know, as a backup or com- competition type guy, maybe Nick Morrow, I guess, but it's like Angela Blackson, Ryan Griffin, Matthew Adams, you know, Mike Pinnell, Dante Pettis, like eh, probably not like I, all those guys I would like to upgrade from with better players right. in free agency. I mean, like Sam Mustafer is a restricted free agent, so you can bring him back on a cheap deal or Josh Blackwell or a couple of these guys. But it, it, it's really not a group of guys that you're like, oh, we got to make sure you resign these guys, get them in. But I do think just to spend some of their money and not just blow it all on outside guys, 
Mooney's probably going to get some kind of contract extension. They've been raving about him. Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson, and those those are the big three, I think, for for guys that you feel pretty good about putting some money into. That's not going to be top of the market value for them because they're not you know they're not coming off of great seasons. But maybe you can lock them in at a lower rate now and put a better team around them next season, and they'll play better even than their contract will say. Yeah, especially if you can get a, a nice bookend like Evan Ingram for Cole Komet, that might open some things. Uh, up for him um, uh, next year uh, and everything. So, I mean, we, we're, we're bringing back Chase Claypool. Obviously, you know, we want to bring back um, uh, Mooney on an extension and everything. That's I like those as my top four targets, Cole Komet, uh, Claypool, uh, Ingram, and, and, and Mooney. That doesn't sound too bad. I have a feeling Claypool's not going to get the new contract until no, 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 no. I'm not play. saying oh, about I'm not saying oh, about extending him. Oh, I know he's coming back because he's under contract. So yeah, I see what you mean. He's yeah. under contract for 2023. He's not getting a deal during this offseason. Yeah. When you said targets, I think you meant like top four targets for a contract. No, top, no, 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 no. no. Top targets four targets on offense on offense for yes. for our, for our, our fair quarterback to throw to. So. The other three guys were all contract guys. That's why I was like, Wait, oh, yeah, but right. My bad. Claypool the contract, but I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to even add something else somewhere. Oh, for sure. Minutes. Absolutely. But trading so. trading for one of these wide receivers seems like it's the most exciting of the options, but easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, um, I saw one mock draft or one mock offseason that um, had the Bears trading for T. Higgins. Yeah, I was like, that like would that. be outstanding if we get our hands on T. Higgins. That'd be great. But the deal was the Bears were trading all the way down to, at the time, 28. To yeah, that's not get happening. To, I was like, no freaking way. No freaking way that's happening. You the, know? the one that interests me is, like, the one that seems, I don't want to say more likely because none of them are, like, likely, but the Panthers and DJ Moore, like, having DJ Moore as part of the trade-up package to number one, yeah, I think the Panthers are at like seven or nine, I think, Something in there. Like so that, like, yeah, it would be DJ Moore and nine and another first round pick. And, you know, like there's there's a lot more to that. But as the one of the few trade ups that makes sense and is also exciting, like Michael Pittman of the Colts has been thrown out there, but he's mm-hmm. not he, he's good, but he's not doesn't doesn't get the juices flowing and get the excitement of like, ooh, let's yeah, I've seen uh, the Bears trading at seven with the Raiders and Max Crosby as part of the deal. Devonta uh, Adams, question mark. That that that's also been you know like I've yeah. seen it, it seems like some of these teams that the Bears are rumored to be trading with have a guy on both sides of the ball that could be trade bait like with the Panthers yeah. you mentioned DJ Moore I've seen ones where the guy is Brian Burns you know oh, they're sure. they're outstanding defensive uh, defensive end so it's like nine Brian Burns twenty twenty four uh, first rounder second rounder in twenty twenty four and twenty twenty three you know that kind of thing just a package that includes every draft pick that you could want and their best defensive player to move up to number one to try to take, you know, Bryce Young or Levis or uh, uh, Stroud uh, at quarterback and everything. But, like, I've seen Devontae Adams and I've seen Max Crosby, one of those two guys. Uh, I've seen uh, Buckner or Pittman as being the veteran guy that comes in with the, the trade package from the, uh, from the Colts uh, and things like that. So it's, it's been... Shaq Leonard? No, no way they're parting with Shaq Leonard. That's not, you know, who else I have seen though, that I would love to have is, um, Nelson, Quentin Nelson. Oh yeah. From, uh, from, uh, from the Colts, you know, give us Nelson and, uh, number four and whatever, you know, whatever else trade package. And then it's like Jenkins and Nelson as our interior, we'd have the meanest guards in the NFL 
if, uh, if you know, if that's what we had, then it almost wouldn't matter who the center was. Let it be Mustafa again. Who cares? But, you know, it, it's uh, those guys. And then say if we do sign McGlinchey and we get Braxton Jones another year, that's an offensive line that, uh, you know, Justin Fields should be able to sleep peacefully behind. So that, that's the dream. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So there you have it, folks. Year in review 2022. Lauren, we kept it to a tight 90 minutes. So, uh, you know, I think we're, I think we're slipping, but the fact that I was on IR for the last eight weeks of the season probably had something, uh, to do with that. Not able to go quite as in depth as we have, uh, in the past, but, uh, I'm sure that will change, uh, in 2023 because Larry D's back on the mend and I'm back doing shows and, uh, feeling pretty good. Definitely wishing you a year of better help this year. You've been, you've been through the ringer, and uh, I have. hopefully you, you kind of experienced the the Bears season of your health. Indeed, you know I mean you you went three and fourteen Indeed. this winter too. So I did. If, if the Bears next year is I better, did. I think yours will be too. I took a lot of L's in twenty twenty two, especially towards the end of the year while the Bears were on their ten game uh, uh, losing streak. But here's the thing, man. Uh, I've been very lucky. Um, like any any treatment that the doctors have recommended, I've responded exactly the way that they've wanted me to as far as like whatever medication was or whatever treatment they uh, gave me. So, you know, I've, uh, I've been very lucky. So I've been taking a lot of W's in that aspect uh, of it and the way that I've been able to, to bounce back uh, as well and as quickly uh, as I have. Because I had a friend of mine, listener of the, the show, as a matter of fact, what's up, Tim, um, had the exact same thing happen to him he was in the hospital alone for six months. Let alone, you know, I spent total seven weeks hospital rehab center before I finally came home. He was in the hospital for six months, then five months in rehab. He gave a year of his life to this shit. I was out for a month and a half. You know what I'm saying? I, I know how lucky I am. So, um, it t- um, sounds like you landed the number one overall pick. I did, man. I did. <laughs> Just, despite everything that I went through, I got the number one pick and that's, uh, that's what's uh, that's what's uh, important. So Some, somehow, Lovey Smith helped you too. Some he way, did. somehow, I don't know what it was, but he <laughs> he donated to that hospital and helped he them did. have the equipment you needed. I don't know what it is. It was that's what it was exactly. So anyway, man, it was uh, great talking uh, to you again. I'm sure that we will get together again uh, sometime soon. Um, you know what we need to do is we need to figure out another game for us to do like a uh, one of those retro rewinds. Uh, yeah. over the off season that that one we did for the 85 bears 49ers game was uh was a lot of fun uh doing that one because uh you'd never seen that game before had you no i was, I was going in really blind there and you, yeah. you had a lot of the expertise for sure well i told you it was like man they were savages but i don't know if you've ever seen the 85 team play start to finish but you know it's like they sacked montana seven times and they only hit him about 85 more uh <laughs> you know during that i mean they were up his ass the entire game it was unbelievable to watch but uh, yeah, and then watching Sweetness run for a buck thirty or whatever it was in that game was uh, also pretty amazing uh, as well. But we'll have to uh, find another game uh, to do, and uh, we'll go back in time and and uh, revisit. Maybe we'll do something more uh, modern, like an, a two thousand six game or or something like that. To uh, you know what? Actually, I would like to suggest the game. I just saw it pull up on my YouTube feed uh, the other day. Was the twenty eleven Bears Chargers game, the one where the Cutler, injury, the, the yeah, Cutler injury game, yeah, that was a great game. It was an outstanding game, and the beginning of the end, right there. Yeah, <laughs> Just, when he went down, it was like that was it. 
The so, PTSD is going to be tough to work through on yeah. that one, but you know we can we can do it together. Yeah, we'll 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 figure it out. So right now, that's probably the the leader in the clubhouse as far as the game that we'll uh, we'll do uh, for this uh, particular episode. But uh, stay tuned uh, for that. And uh, Lauren, what you go ahead and plug uh, what you got out there. Yeah, of course. I appreciate you having me on. And you can hear me five days a week on the Lockdown Bears podcast. Heading down to Mobile, I guess, tomorrow as we're recording this. I'll be down there Monday through Thursday and getting a closer look at some of the prospects and stuff. So we'll be turning our attention to the NFL draft for now, and then we'll we'll get back to free agency and all that other stuff. And, of course, on Twitter at Cox Sports One. I always say it's like Fox Sports One with a C. Amen. All right, man. Thanks so much uh, for uh, for joining us. It was great to have you on. We'll see you again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Larry. I feel like uh, we left a lot on the table with that uh, that conversation, but that's all right. Maybe we'll have Lauren back during, uh, you know, kind of do a, a free agency review or something uh, like that or, or whatever. We'll we'll figure something out. We always got to have him back. Not to mention, uh, you, know, you know, we got the Retro Rewind uh, episodes that I want to do again uh, this offseason. Uh, I've been, you know, thinking about some really fun games and uh, everything that I want to do uh, – not just with Lauren, but with other uh, guests as well. So uh, should be a good time uh, when I try to sprinkle those in uh, this off season. So uh, anyway, guys, uh, again, great to be back. Thank you again for all your uh, support, your patience, your understanding with uh, everything that I've been uh, going through and 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 working my way through, and and uh, I've, I've managed to survive at this point. So. Uh, Thank you all again uh, for your support. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do this show to kind of scratch my my broadcasting itch because this is what I went to uh, school for. But, uh, you know, more and more over the years, it's it's been because you guys are here uh, listening that I keep doing it more than anything else. So uh, thank you all, and I appreciate every single uh, one of you. So, um. So just keep an eye out for the uh, preview uh, for the Super Bowl. I'm going to see if I can get some, uh, maybe some guests on the show to, uh, to preview uh, the game uh, and everything, see if I can pull one from each respective uh, squad uh, as we go into the game. We've got a little time to get uh, ready uh, for that. But uh, if not, it'll just be me, you know, vomiting words out at you about the Super Bowl. Uh, say about next uh, Thursday, maybe Friday at the latest uh, to get ready uh, for the game. So uh, anyway, guys, that is going to do it. This was the 2022 year in review. Now we move on to 2023 and beyond as far as our beloved uh, Chicago Bears uh, is concerned. And we move on to 2023 100% when we get done with the Super Bowl. So come on back next week for those uh, for that Super Bowl preview episode. And until then, My name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.